What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 146 of the Justin Insight Podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. Um, I'm not going to start with the general pleasantries because I think everyone kind of realises that everything is a bit shit at the moment. So I'm going to start off by just saying a massive thank you to everyone who listened to episode 145 with Trevor from Black Darling Murder, uh, all the great feedback that I had from that. Um, everyone seemed to sort of vibe on it and it seemed to direct a lot of traffic to our our little podcast, which I really appreciate. Um, and secondly, I know that there was meant to be a podcast last week, but due to sort of travelling and things like that, I didn't get a chance to upload it as scheduled. So this is that week's podcast coming to you now, if that makes sense. Um, also, just a, a little caveat. I was meant to do a uh, recording whilst I was on the road, but again, just didn't time restraints and everything just didn't pan out. So there will be a little bit of a lull because I don't have anything in the pipeline as yet um, for the coming weeks. But I'm just kind of scrambling around with things at the moment. But I'm going to be back, sat down, looking through things on the horizon in the in the coming days uh and should be back to sort of regular episodes week after next i hope fingers crossed if all goes to plan um yeah so basically uh for everyone that kind of has listened to this podcast and has followed the podcast i was away with ithaca um when they were supporting big thief um the tour was phenomenal like i never expected to be in any of the venues the size that we were in um and i am eternally grateful to ithaca for taking me out um but due to all this uh coronavirus stuff that's been going on at the moment uh the tour unfortunately had to be cut short so we ended up missing pretty much all the scandinavian dates apart from copenhagen um but since then obviously it has been uh classes of pandemic uh, pandemic epidemic pandemic i can't remember the exact phrasing but obviously everywhere is going into lockdown and shutting things down left right and center so the whole kind of music industry is kind of going on lockdown and going silent at the moment which sucks but for totally understandable reasons like you can understand why but from a purely selfish perspective that's now meant i'm out of work um so yeah bit of a kind of a weird situation for myself at the moment but plowing through just trying to sort of scrap any sort of form of writing work or driving work or any work that I can get just to tie me over until this whole thing is done with where I'm sincerely hoping is kind of blown over by the end of April but we'll wait and see how things go at the moment um, as I record this our uh, twat of a prime minister has given some form of statement that probably is non-existent because he's a twat but anyway um enough of like the sort of like the whole woe is me like as i say the whole industry is a bit shit panned at the moment so if you're able to kind of support any of your favorite bands in any shape or form like i know they'll be massively grateful i know uh personally former guests of the show uh kristen uh hater aka lingering nota uh has 
had to obviously pull out of all of her shows, resulting in lack of payment, which she was hoping to go towards surgery on a herniated disc that she's got in her back. But obviously now, because of the fucked American health system, she can't do that. So there's things going on for that. There's things going on over here in the UK for Dreadfest, which is had to postpone due to all like the bands not wanting to risk coming to the UK, which again is totally understandable. Um, but there's sort of avenues to to help Megan, who is the the brains behind that festival. Um, so yeah, if you in any shape or form can help a creative friend of yours, then please do so. Um, and if you so wish to help this little podcast in any shape or form, uh, we still do have tote bags and we have a tip service on our Patreon page, which I will put links in the description of this episode. Um, on a slightly side note, yet yeah, still a bit of a hustle, uh, issue two of An Insight magazine is now up for pre-order. Uh, cover feature is with uh, the awesome Katie. Uh, also features articles on Envy, uh, Shavire, Sniffany and the Nits, and much, much more. Uh, you can find all of that information on all the An Insight social media. And again, I'll put a link to the pre-order in the description of this podcast. Um, I'm going to stop babbling on about stuff to do with me, and I'm going to get on to this week's guest. Uh, this week I am joined by drummer of Gender Roles, Jordan Lilford. Um, this was recorded when I was out with the boys uh, back in February. I'm losing track of all time at the moment. Um, it was recorded when we were in Hamburg. Uh, we discussed how sort of Jordan's dad was very much kind of like a guiding hand for, for him in his discovery of music. Uh, how he used to kind of take part in competitive sports and how that's sort of been embedded in him and has kind of helped him sort of keep a level head in some aspects um and another part of his his love of music is his kind of uh love of sort of house and garage and and how he's kind of gone into the whole djing world it's something a world that i don't really know much about so i kind of picked his brains a bit about that because obviously he's a lot more knowledgeable about it than i am um but yeah enough of the babbling Enjoy the chat that I have with Jordan, and I'll see you on the other side. Well, you don't need to talk about smuggling alcohol in because you're in your own venue. Um, cool. Sat in Hamburg with Gender Roles drummer Jordan Lilford on day 14 of the 2020 UK, UK? good start, Close. European tour. Yeah. Uh, particular highlights for yourself so far? Oh, uh, I don't know. Day one was pretty crazy, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, yeah. Whoa, like, yeah. Day one in Paris, load of people turned up. It was kind of like when we did our first, for the Prang tour, well, the first, like, big headline tour, and, like, sold out Boston Music Room, and, yeah, it was just people going crazy. And uh, same again with, like, Paris at Supersonic, so that was a highlight, but I think, like, they've all been, they've all been great. It's been, yeah, yeah. It's been exceeded expectations. Yeah. That's fully, cool. fully. Well, how I always like to start this is to kind of go back to your roots and your origins. So, how what was your kind of first introduction to like alternative music? Like, what kind of got you into that sort of world? Uh, it would be my dad, mm. um, and it was like I, I sort of I, I had I listened to well, my dad's my dad was the one who got me into all music. He was yeah, the first yeah. person to, to like buy me music and. Started off with like a lot of chart stuff. I think the first single he got me was, um, oh, what's that song now? 
Oh, I'll remember it in a minute. <laughs> CD single, but it's like a, it was just like a house tune. Right. Um, and then it was like Eminem, and then my rap fade and stuff like that. And then I think the first when I first got into alternative music was when um, with we- we- Weezer. Okay. So he got me into the Blue album, yeah, and then yeah. it, at that time it was around 2002, and it was around the time um, between the Green album and uh, uh, Mal- Maladruit. Maladroit, however you say it, and uh, they were just releasing. Rivers was just posting all their demos from that album right, online, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then that was like the start of Napster. So me and my dad used to go and hang at the library, like the local library, go and download <laughs> it, put it on CDs, and then he, he'd give them to his mates, I'd give them to my mates, and then uh, and that was it. And then that was my then you know, and then you're watching MTV too, you're watching Kerrang, and yeah, then you're yeah. getting into all that all that music from that era, from like the early 2000s. So that was definitely uh, yeah the start for me, and then. Went went through from there, yeah. So was it always kind of like in terms of like the alternative side of things? Was it always more kind of the punk side of things that you were kind of drawn to? Because like obviously when I spoke to Bennett, he said like his kind of in was very much like the Linkin Parks and sort of like mm. that whole new metal phase. So mm. was yours kind of more down like the the indie sort of punk route? Or? I I think I was uh, I think I, I was just very receptive to all all things alternative and guitar based I, I definitely hybrid theory was you know like huge for me yeah um, and yeah a bit of Limp Biscuit and stuff because <laughs> I mean say what you want I mean we had it in the van the other yeah, day didn't yeah, we like yeah, yeah. you know like it's that at the time was like something people had never heard before and it was really exciting and stuff but um, I think I, I guess I, I had a bit more of a, a holistic Sort of alternative upbringing. So my dad, would, you know, he'd play lots of obscure stuff and a huge music collection and things right. like that. So um, yeah, I'd say, and and then it, he got me into like Arctic Monkeys and stuff like that. And then and then that's when I, I don't know, that's when I sort of get into like eighty. Oh, I would have been like fifteen, fourteen, fifteen when we first started going to watch Arctic Monkeys and yeah, stuff yeah. like before before they got like insanely big. And yeah, so I don't know. That's a smorgasbord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no, I don't, I don't really. Uh, and then you know, we, we always listen to electronic music as well, and he got me into all that sort of stuff. Aphex Twin, Border Canada. I mean, that might have been before Weezer and. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So it was always very alternative, even electronic or yeah, guitar yeah, based. Yeah. yeah. So in terms of kind of like, I guess bands that you sort of gravitated towards, because again, like it's something that I always find quite interesting, because I think like. Everyone kind of has those entry points of like bands, as you say, like Weezer, Linkin Park, Limp Bizkit. Mm. But there's always like one or two bands that people like they've discovered off their own accord, and it's like that's their band. Yeah. So was, was there anyone that was like that for you? Uh, hmm. There was, I, I guess. I mean, I, I I spoke about their their first album on a, on a podcast recently, and um, but. Crash of Rhinos yeah. was a band that I found um, through uh, an internet forum called Dancing Jesus. Okay. And um, it, it, the guy went to prison actually. Uh, what the guy who ran the forum? Yeah, yeah. Why? Was, it's a, uh, it's uh, he basically he he had this forum, and then people would go on there and. Um, Upload like they would be label execs and people in the industry, okay. and they would uh, have sam- samples before right, like samples okay. before album came out. I'm not sure. So um, then they would anonymously upload them. Yeah, yeah. But then yeah. the guy who ran it, 
he he just he just had this you know he just provided the forum he didn't yeah, yeah, instruct yeah. anyone to do whatever but yeah he ended up getting in trouble anyway so i used to fire me again me and my dad like we used to fire music on there and eventually it became like a closed forum because they didn't want to let any more people in it and uh yeah then crash of rhinos popped up on there and I, and I found that and then that was my sort of entry into the sort of Midwest emo yeah, yeah. arena, and, and then I, and then I went backwards, and, and then I found American football through them, and obscure bands like Midwest Penpals and, and things like that. So I think then I think that might have been a, a point where I went off on my own little journey, and and, and yeah, I, I guess so. But I mean, still, like my dad's like my best mate, so it's, yeah, it's yeah. kind of like whatever. We 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 all listen to the same stuff. I don't even need to ask him if he's heard something sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Just you know, ask him what he thinks of it or. So yeah, but I think that that's where I sort of went on my little foray into into sort of the emo side of stuff. Uh, yeah. So like in terms of like with your dad, obviously, was he kind of like not necessarily like pushing things on you, but it was was it just sort of like here, son, check this out, sort of thing? Yeah, no, he never pushed anything on me. It was weird. I don't even know how he he's never he'll never like try and sort of. He, he was never forceful with anything like that. Like I did lots of like competitive stuff when I was a kid, and yeah. he never forced me into any of that. But he sort of said it'll be good for you, you know. And then I sort of trusted him, and you know, and it was. And so it was always like that. And even with music, he never he never gave me a CD and was like, listen to this song. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was like I, I'd come home from like playing out with my mates, and then Weezer would be on on the stereo. And then after a few days, I'd be like, what's this? And then he'd explain, and yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And then I'd start taking some of his CDs back to my mum's and and stuff like that. And then I, that's it. Just it was very natural and organic. And he, he yeah, he was never, he still isn't a person who'd force things on me or yeah. you know, say say oh, you should listen to this. But, yeah. Um, I still got a cracking taste. Like, he, <laughs> he bought me an album. I bought me like um, I'm I'm, in, I'm very much into electronic music and I DJ a lot of house and techno around and um around Brighton and whatever and. Yeah, and he got me this uh, this Move D um, record, and it's fucking brilliant. And I, I, I never even heard of it. And, <laughs> and you know, like, so he still he still got it somewhere. Yeah, yeah, still yeah. Got it. <laughs> so then, in terms of the kind of like your own sort of like musical sort of like exploration sort of thing, like, was it all because obviously playing drums in in generals? Was it always drums that you were drawn to, or did you sort of like dabble in anything else beforehand? Um, I'd always sort of. Picked up guitars. My dad played guitar. Let's turn into a fucking podcast about my dad. <laughs> He's gonna hate this. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, yeah, I, I picked up like guitars and stuff that he had around the house. But he never, he never really want. Again, he didn't want to be pushy with stuff. So he never really. He just let me just pick up things and look at them and and just strum them and learn yeah, it. Yeah, and then yeah. he'd show me a few chords and then I, he'd just lead me to it. And then. But my, my uncle was uh, my uncle Simon was um, still is a drummer and um, he got one of them um, Roland V drum kits. You know the first they were like electronic drum kits, but they were the, yeah 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 the first like real good ones. Yeah, like before that they were sort of shitty little rubber things that, that had no feel to them. But he got one of them and then and then my dad and my uncle were sort of like, do you want to do you want to have a go at drums? Yeah, and then it was like every every Tuesday and Friday when I'd, I'd go around and see my my dad and that I'd go around to our side for like an hour and a half two hours and then uh, yeah I'd just start playing along stuff and my uncle he, he, he'd teach me teach me all the all the all the basics to get me yeah. going and then they sort of they'd give me some albums to, to play along to and then it was sort it started off with like 
Queens of the Stone Age, I think rated R, fairly, yeah, yeah. fairly simpler stuff, and then um, a bit of Fountains of Wayne as well. I remember, okay. I remember starting playing onto one of their albums, one of their early albums. Some of their early stuff's fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it started from there, and then, and then when I was about, that must have been when I was sort of like 11 or 12, and then I, I stopped playing drums for a couple of years, and just music didn't interest me as much. I think it was maybe like the the puberty years where you just sort of your head's a bit all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And then when art when I got back into Arctic Monkeys or got into Arctic Monkeys, and that was when I was bang into yeah, I, yeah. I knew what I, what I wanted to do sort of thing. And then and then I started playing drums to that album, and um, and then that that was it really. And and then I, I think I picked up guitar when I was sort of eighteen. Um, and you know my dad's always bought me guitars and stuff like that since then and learn all that stuff and uh, yeah and I started I, he got me an MPC a Kai MPC 1000 when I was about 15 so I started producing music on that and making electronic music and yeah and then it just sort of went from there you know learning bits of theory yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and whatever but I, I still feel like I don't think I'll ever feel like I'm a complete musician yeah yeah <laughs> I don't even feel like a drummer I was thinking this the other day like yeah, I don't. I don't really want to feel like a drummer in a band because no, then, fair enough. Because then it's everyone should be putting equal parts into it into a musical project, and it yeah, should, yeah. you shouldn't just have to worry about. Well, I'm just going to thump these tubs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it should be, you know, everything in in perfect consideration, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then if you know, serve the song and all that, all those cliches. But yeah. So then, in terms of kind of like, I guess moving forward like into kind of actually sort of like playing music and and things like that like mm. we're into like the early days when you started sort of playing in bands why were you playing drums or were you playing guitar yeah yeah no drums were my first drums were my first instrument definitely and i, I there must be something that, I, I don't yeah I, I, from a very from i don't know if it's the way that i learned drums but i i just pick i just pick up songs and i i know even if even if I didn't know how to play them, I'd always I'd know what how I'd know how to play them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. might not be physically able at that point, but you know I always sort of got that. And now I'm at that I'm at that point now with with any other instrument I can pick usually the key that yeah, you know, yeah. stuff like that. But I think it's just because that's how I respond to music. I don't. Yeah. I just yeah. It's, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a weird thing. I think I've forgotten the question. That's <laughs> cool. <laughs> so. Were there kind of like any drummers that you sort of like looked up to when you started sort of like playing around at all that you kind of like took inspiration from, or was it just the the albums that you were playing along to that kind of got you into the sort of rhythm and swing of things? Yeah, well, it, it was definitely you know Dave Grohl on uh, "Songs for the Deaf." Um, th that was one of the first albums when I was sort of like, this makes a lot of sense to yeah. me, like how how this guy plays drums, and then. Obviously, like Matt Helders with Arctic Monkeys, for whatever reason, whether it's just because I love the music or whatever, yeah. but him, him as a drummer, like it, it just makes sense to me, like where how they orchestrate everything and and, and where they're sort of putting their notes and and things like that. I it, I was saying this by the other day. That is it, Zach, the drummer from Paramore. I can't. Yeah, I know who you're on about. I can't remember. He his left name. for a bit and did his own song. Yeah, yeah. I think he's back now in the band, but he's 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 an, a. A drummer from more recent times that I I just listen to it and I'm like, we we have a similar way of looking at music yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. and serving a song in a certain way. But um, yeah, I'd say you know obviously like Dave Grohl, 
Matt Holders, and yeah, I never really read many drumming magazines. No, no, like no, that. no. Like, it was just you know, like you say, the bands that I was listening to. To yeah. be honest, yeah. And then, because where else did you grow up? I grew up in Warrington, which is right. The, and then the the, the the stock answer that follows that is it's in between Manchester yeah. and Liverpool. <laughs> so yeah. But like, so in terms of kind of like exploring like live music and stuff like were you going between Manchester and Liverpool or was there much going on in Warrington no we we played I played in a, in a load of bands in, in Warrington but you'd sometimes do some gigs for your mates in 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 Warrington but there's there's no real scene there um but it, it was always the, the big thing was I mean, we played you know played a plenty of to two men and his dog in, yeah, uh, yeah, in around yeah. Warrington but um, now Manchester and Liverpool was where we used to start getting serious about gigging and, and stuff like that and that's where I'd go and, and see bands and again like I I'd, I guess I was a bit taller and I looked a little bit old, older <laughs> for my age so my dad and my uncle and his mates used to take me into we used to you know get into 18 plus shows yeah, like, yeah. as and when we could and then like when I was like 50 I remember once there was a um, We'd usually be all right about it, and sometimes if, if the bouncers didn't let us in, we'd sort of be like, "Can we? Can you just do it on the sly?" And well, you know, we, he's not going to buy any drinks. You can keep an eye on him. Yeah, or something yeah, yeah. Like. Sometimes it worked, but there was there was once I remember uh, the Maccabees were playing at um, the Night and Day Cafe, where my my mate works there now, um, and uh, yeah, and we I didn't get in, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was I was absolutely gutted, and then uh, they all went in, but the rule was like I. I went back and got the train on oh went, shit got home you know got to bed and then my dad come in at all hours <laughs> and worked, but you know it's what it is but yeah it, it was always like that Manchester and Liverpool was where I, I started to go and watch bands yeah and then I was like well I, I'm gonna have to play in these venues now like, yeah, yeah, yeah you know it's what I want to do and then that was it was years of that and then moved um went to Brighton to study at um, Sussex Uni and um yeah, and then that's how I ended up there. Yeah. Well, before we get fully into that, one thing I've got to pick up on in your younger years yeah. is the is the swimming. The swimming. Competitive swimming. Yeah. Where did that come from? <laughs> that again, it was my, my dad and my uncle were, were were really good swimmers, and um and it was just part of their upbringing, and then it was just kind of a given that it would be part of my upbringing. Okay. Um, but it was good. No, I like, used to, you know, mainly around the northwest. Um, uh, yeah, and used to sort of train three, three or four times a week, and getting up early, and yeah, I did all right. I did. I think uh, Bolton and District Mini League. Yeah. Undefeated. For okay. The, uh, for the under, I think it was the under 15s or the under 16s <laughs> for a whole season. So I'll, I'll take that. But yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that was again. I think it was one of them. If I have a kid or a kids or whatever, I, I do appreciate that now. Yeah. I, yeah you yeah. know. You just used to get on with it and it's like a discipline thing you know you go and you, you you're training and then that's when i started i remember when i was training and i went went through a certain point and then my dad just took me once like for like do some training with him and then i just sort of thought right i'm just gonna put everything into this um just fucking go for it when, yeah, I'm, when yeah, I'm training yeah. and then things started to happen and i got better and then it just and then i i took that and applied it to all parts of my life. That sort yeah, of discipline yeah, yeah, to yeah. learn. It's, I think it's really important for for kids to do that. If I'm to sound as you know as noncy, <laughs> but it, it, 
it's sort of uh, maybe, and maybe that's an obvious thing but I only really recognise that you know as you're getting a bit older and you sort yeah, of yeah, yeah, see yeah. those things but yeah I did a lot of swimming a lot of cross country a lot yeah. of um, yeah, high jump as well okay I did, did, like, I did some national comps with school and stuff like that so I was always into like um, physical stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it, do you ever kind of wish you kept any of it up? Um, not really. I'm always I'm always conscious to to be. I'm a person that needs to. I need to earn my sleep, and I need to. Right. Um, I, I feel a bit all over the place if I'm not physically exerting myself. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, it just clears the fog from my brain. So I used to go to the gym a lot and stuff like that. But now we're getting just we're busy all the time with the band and and the physical stuff that comes with that and, yeah yeah you know like you see me I, I do lots of warming up as well now and stretching and i'm starting to get a bit more into yoga and it it, it agrees with me it agrees with my head yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and all that stuff so uh yeah it's always important to me and I, I'll, I'll always keep some aspects of that going in my life because i just i just need to yeah 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 well so in terms of kind of like moving down to brighton you said it's going to to Sussex Uni, mm-hmm. but was there was it any particular draw for Brighton, or was it just the fact that it was the course that you wanted to do? Like what? what no, it done? wasn't the course. That <laughs> no, no, not, no way. It was more like uh, yeah, it was Brighton's the fucking coolest place, or it seemed like the coolest place. I'd seen um, you know like when they first started Great Escape, they did it on MTV Two, and they did. did some, they? I did not yeah, know that. Yeah, they did. Um, MTV2 would like Zane Lowe would go down there and they oh, do a sick, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, there was one where, where the Cribs were, were playing, you know, the mini golf by the pier. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. The Cribs did a thing there. If you're on YouTube, so fucking funny that. But yeah, and, and I, I'd see that, and then again, me and my dad were watching stuff like that, and we think, well, fucking hell, like, you know, it'd be cool to live there, wouldn't it? And then um, I think I originally applied to go, go to Sheffield because it was a bit closer to home. And then um, I was doing engineering, mechanical engineering, because I was all right at maths and yeah, stuff yeah. like that so it, it I, I wanted to have an academic thing to study yeah. and then I would always do the music around it and then um and then I didn't get in and then Sussex was like I think it was like third best in the country for it at the, at the time and then they had spaces for clearing so yeah got in got in there didn't had never visited Brighton before I moved there didn't have a house to live in just found four random people like most of whom I'm still chat to regularly yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. that's the way it happens and then yeah I moved there and I knew it was a sort of a creative hub um, you know and I saw all the bands that were coming out of there and it seemed like a good you know it's, it's what people ask us all the time even when we're in Europe yeah 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 you, you get people at every single show saying you know what's Brighton like is, yeah, is it really yeah. good for, for starting bands and yeah there's a couple of girls last night who were, who were saying or the night before and they were like you know is it good for starting bands and we were just like yeah yeah it's great and she was like I think I'm like pretty much certain I'm going to go there yeah, to study. Yeah. so yeah it's, it's obviously seen as a, a seen as that like a creative hub yeah so the, in terms of kind of like your sort of like bands and stuff you're sort of like playing kind of like in little bands and stuff in Warrington and, and things like that but mm. like when you moved to Brighton mm. was that something that was in your mind or was it something that kind of came along a little bit later on I was in a I was in a band or two we we stayed doing we stayed doing a band um up, up north we were called Tall for Jockeys I think we, we changed our name loads it's a terrible name that isn't it Tall for Jockeys <laughs> it was good though we had some good songs I think there's something on Bandcamp still but uh 
sort of like shoegazy stuff, okay. but like kind of heavy, sort yeah, of on yeah. the swerve drivery side of things. But um, so I was I was still doing that, so I wasn't. I, if I've got any regrets, it's that when I was at uni, I was I was a bit more sort of too interested in going out and getting pissed and doing all the things that students do right. and and stuff like that. And I now I'm like I, I realise how much I mean I, I don't I, I don't know how I emerged with like a two one and a <laughs> masters because I I wasn't really going into uni an awful lot. But um, I, I just realised now that you know working full time and doing the band and stuff like this, like I could have been, I could have been doing a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's kind of a load of fucking bollocks yeah, because yeah, you need yeah. that period. You need to reflect on that on that that lost time. Yeah. That then gives you the the drive to just go and say right, well, I, I whatever, I've lost time or however you want to see it. But now we, you know, now it's time to sort of focus on on what you really want to do. So. I don't really regret it, yeah. but it's it, it that those years when I was sort of at uni and stuff. That's what reminds me that I, that's what gives me my drive now. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of like when you were kind of like you said you were still doing that band up north and stuff. So when you were kind of like I don't know maybe like finish uni and stuff. Like were you kind of like in other bands within Brighton before gender roles? Like yeah. So um, basically, what happened was I did my. I did a master's because I just wanted to stay in Brighton for yeah. the year, basically. So I, I did my master's in mechanical engineering, and that was probably the most taxing year. But I think also like kind of one of my most like crazy years for going out and stuff like that. And it was in my, I think it was in my third year at uni when I started to. I think we left this this band that I was in back home broke up, and then I just started writing and recording full songs with everything guitar bass drums and singing yeah. it was the first time I started singing and stuff and recorded onto Ableton and just messing around and learning all that stuff and then um, um, yeah and then that's when I sort of realised like I really really know what I want to do now yeah um, and then that's when that stopped. so when in my, in my master's year I started to write more and more songs and I must have hundreds of songs and I'd be sending them to my mates and then me and my mates would I'd be teaching my mates how to play yeah, songs yeah. like my mate Sean he never even played any instruments and I taught him bass taught him how to play the songs and we didn't even play a gig like that And but we just used to practice and, and that was a load of fun and then I I've, I actually got when I finished uni suddenly all my friends had disappeared Right. and then um, I stayed in Brighton and I just started making friends from, from afresh and uh, I met I made friends with like uh Seb Gilmore, who now plays in a band called Public Body, but used to play in a band called The New Tusk. Um, I made friends with Pullman from Bird Schools. Mm. Uh, and then I started to surround myself with that group. And then th that was sort of like the whole the start of like, the, you know, bands like Broad Bay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, got friends with like Willet and Bill and stuff like that. And then that's how I met Jared, because Jared lived with Seb and they knew each other from Jersey. And then that's how it sort of connected that thing up yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it was like ah right now I'm with a load of musicians yeah 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 and then there was some people who wanted to start a band and that's how I met Bennett I was having a I was having like a, a party at my house for uh, Pride and he came around and then he just ended up with me him and, and Jared and we were like oh yeah well I've got you know Bennett's like I've got these songs and, uh, and yeah <laughs> that's how that started and then for a, for a while I was, I was doing the other band uh, Brain Queen and we sort of 
did that into the ground a little bit and I, I didn't really know how to I, I thought I had to do everything myself right and I was just giving the songs to, to the to the other other members and we had some sweet gigs and we were doing well and seemed to be getting some recognition but um, I didn't really know how to I, th- I felt a lot of pressure I think um, to like do everything yeah and then it became a bit more of a chore and a bit more of a stress uh, and it sort of let it fall by the wayside a little bit but lots of stuff learned from from that band yeah, for sure yeah yeah. yeah yeah and then in terms of kind of like going out and playing shows obviously you said like kind of you had shows with that band and had a bit of recognition but like in terms of like touring and stuff was gender roles the first band you actually toured with or did you have a bit of experience before that it, it was yeah i mean i think brain queen did a couple of weekenders and and stuff like that um and we did a load of gigs at the great escape and and stuff but no no yeah gender roles was the first yeah touring band and the first first tour we did was with broad bay um and that was just like yeah that was, that was <laughs> just crazy it's like yeah just lots of venues that weren't venues and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Lot, quite a lot of house shows and not a lot of people turning up but just not giving a fuck like not 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 caring what like whatsoever if anyone's turning up and then we'd all just be singing each other songs yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff like that and then um that was enough for us really but it, for some reason like it's, you know it's got like people come to our shows now who we don't know yeah yeah <laughs> so that's the only real difference now i'd say yeah. <laughs> and in terms of kind of like i guess that sort of taking that next step of kind of like being in a band that's touring and and so on and so forth mm. like did you have any kind of like preconceptions of like what that life would be like or was it just like thrown into at the deep end and just kind of like sink or swim kind of situation no i think i mean I, i'd always daydream like literally my dream since i started going watching uh, gigs you know literally my dream to, to go on tour and just I'd often daydream probably too much about it and, and I'd probably think about what it was like mm. more but as soon as it starts to actually happen you realise it's you've just sort of been wasting your time with all that daydreaming yeah. because it's never <laughs> going to quite it's never going to be that way and you've just got to just go with it and and, and, and like every tour you know we, we're all working full time as well at the moment and um, we've got we've got really good people like our bosses are, are very uh, forgiving and we get a lot of leave you know granted to us and uh but it's 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 i'm not complaining but it you know it's really hard and, mm. and managing everything else around that um to the point where you just do it you just just get on with it yeah, like yeah, you know yeah. i'm work, i'm working in the van every day or you know where where i can just to just to keep things going back home because not you know it's not all paying the bills yet and, and that's fine like we're getting to do some amazing stuff yeah, going yeah, yeah. to different like places i've never even heard of and people showing up and singing your songs like it's it's, it's a it's a great life like it's a great lifestyle so no complaints but um you've got to you've got to like drop a lot of stuff in your life yeah yeah and uh and, and make a lot of sacrifices just to get you there in the first place um now now we're just you know, I, I, none of us really think about. Oh, it's weird, you know. You go, you, you play a venue, you sell it out, and then you know, then you go and play. Like we did, we did Boston Music Room, right? And then we sort of says, right, well, should we do the dome next? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. when we played the dome with Touche Moore, we were like shitting ourselves. It was the biggest <laughs> yeah. venue we've ever played, and now we're going to go and headline there. 
but we don't think about it like we've earned it. Yeah. You know, we're not like, oh yeah, we've we, we should we deserve to be here. You just go and do the next thing and, and hope that people are going to show up. And yeah, yeah. It feels like that's the way you should be. And never never expect anything from it. And just yeah, just have a good gig every night and focus on that. And it becomes relatively simple once, yeah, yeah, once you yeah. get into that into that groove of things. So yeah, I think that's where we are at the moment. We're just just cracking on, doing, just make, just making sure we're, you know, the three of us are happy. Yeah. Um, with, with everything that we're doing and and being, we're a lot, we're a lot. Uh, we've learned a lot from from touring and stuff about you know how to treat each other mm. and um, you learn everyone's little things that they have and they yeah, need yeah, yeah, yeah. and you just learn to live with each other because it's it's pretty rough, isn't it? I mean. I mean, this this tour has been actually quite good. We've had, we've had beds to sleep on, haven't we? You know, it's been great. Like, I think there's been one night on the floor, maybe, but which is the first. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, you just sort of and and on all these things as well. Like they, it's, you know, we we do things sometimes or go on certain tours, and then certain people tell us, "Oh, you don't, you don't be, should you be doing that or whatever?" But sometimes we, it's important to make a decision as a band. To do something because it's going to help the band and it's yeah, going to, it's yeah, going yeah. to it's going to give you experiences as people and as a band that are almost invaluable and then it strengthens us as a, as a like the three of us and then after that we're gonna we're gonna go and write better songs because mm. our chemistry is so much better and like there's a lot to be said for 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 doing all that stuff and we've always just sort of said you know we look at bands like Pop and and their sort of relentless touring schedule and and that's kind of we started the band because we wanted to play with our mates, and we wanted to yeah. you know, play loads of shows like that and go and visit and uh, visit all these these cool new places. So, yeah, as, the more we do that, the the happier we're going to be, and then the better everything else is going to become as a result yeah, of that. Yeah, all, yeah, the, yeah. all the things that come from it, all the music and, and whatever. Yeah. And something that I mentioned when I spoke to, to Bennett is obviously like off the the back of the Reese of Prang, there was kind of like. A lot more sort of eyes on you, a lot more press because obviously there was a bit more of a PR push mm-hmm. and things like that. But like, aside from like the the release of the debut album, like, was there a, a moment where like you personally thought like, oh, people are actually starting to give a shit about gender, gender roles? Like, it's not just my mates that care about this band anymore. Yeah, I think it was. So we 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 did. We did a tour with Jamie Lemon, which is about two years ago, yeah. to, to almost to the to the day, uh, and that was the first like real tour that we've been on. Okay, it might yeah, have been yeah. like the second or third tour we'd ever done. Um, and then we did a we did a headline like a free headline tour that no one could make any. <laughs> no one realised how like I think uh, Kev from BSM like had a lot of lots playing that, but we made every show free. Okay. And everyone was like, how the fuck did you do that? Yeah, do you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we did it, and then, and then you know, some shows, there'd be over 100 people turning up, and we were like, and they knew, they knew the songs, and then we were sort of like, right, okay. You know, we've only got, we only had a couple of EPs out at that point, and again, we still didn't think we were, we were up to much, but it was from, it was from then that that's when the ball started rolling, and you realised people are turning up to your shows, and, you know, and then you, you're you're in a town and then some people see you and then yeah. you want to get a photo and then you start signing stuff and then you you know after shows and things like that and then uh, yeah and then you go you know it was when we played Boston Music Rooms and we we sold it out on the night and uh, 
I none of us had been. I I had been upstairs. I just been in the backstage bit for the whole time. Yeah. And, and then I remember we opened or we we came you know, like second in a four band bill supporting single mothers there, and this was probably at least a year before that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember I remember playing that gig and shitting myself. Like, yeah. I thinking that was a huge room. Um, yeah, and then it's sort of having a few things like that where it's like it's obviously on some sort of ascent. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah. Something happening, but at the same point, like I was saying before, like we're very, we're not, we don't expect anything. If if people don't show up to a show, they don't show up to a show. We're still gonna have a, have a laugh and yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do it for the reasons why we've always done it for. So yeah, we, we we're starting to recognise it now, and it's it's a fucking cool thing. It's great, and it, I think it's just. The thing that I like most about it is that, like, seeing our fan base and like recognizing them as as the gender role fans, and they're yeah, all yeah. they're all very weird and wonderful, just yeah. like just like we are. <laughs> yeah. and, the, and and you know, it's a nice it's a nice crowd, and I, I I don't, I mean, maybe maybe all bands have this, but I think there's something about our fans when they've been to a few of our gigs. There's like some sort of, I don't know, like I remember the London show, and it was. There was some crazy energy that people had that they were just wanted to like shout and scream yeah, your yeah. lyrics and stuff like that, and it, and it and it became you know it's becoming obvious that like our songs mean a lot of things to people, and that's that's a fucking that's vibes, man. Yeah. Well, that's like, like kind of going back to the beginning of this tour, like the Paris show, mm. like. I think literally within like the first like thirty seconds of mm. your set, there was people like jumping around and like yeah. one guy trying to stage dive and stuff like that. <laughs> and this was like like I've I think like prior to that, like the like the last time I'd seen you guys was maybe on the Two Shade tour, mm. I think. So to see like the comparison was yeah. just sort of like oh no, you've now got your own little yeah. niche of fans yeah. and like they're going wild for you, which is fucking awesome to see. Yeah. Um. The other thing that, like, obviously spending a bit more time with you guys is kind of like, and you kind of touched upon it, like, mentioning how the three of you have grown and you kind of see, know how each other works and stuff. Mm. But, like, it's, you all have, like, a, almost like a job to do within the band sort of yeah. thing. And, like, the role that you take is very much the role that I take in terms of, like, you're kind of the one that's organising shit and sort of, like, not, like, managing, but, like, just making sure that everything's kind of sticking over kind of thing yeah so is that something that you enjoy is that something that you kind of just kind of put yourself into or like is it kind of a bit of a burden like how do you kind of i don't see it as a burden no i think i think we we had this we are, I, I don't i uh i was the one who sort of booked gigs first because i'd done most of that out of the three of us right okay um, I, I, i've been doing it since i was like 14 or 15 so I kind of knew vaguely how that how that went very vaguely but that's that's only where that came from and I, I was a bit of a nerd at the time because I, I kind of this is this is kind of how I've changed as well I was very I was one of those guys in a band who thought that you needed an agent and you need this and you need that and just obviously overlooking the fact that you need to have the fucking songs first yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? yeah. and that, that that's something that I've definitely gained in in recent years but like yeah, I always knew a lot of stuff about that, and I, I had a, and I had an idea of how we would get like 
gigs and then how we want would want to put music out and stuff like that but i think i always think back about it and i always think that that bennett was was the the one who at first and that's the hardest thing to do it at first when no one gives a shit about you yeah. as a band it's it's quite hard to have a, have a lot of drive at that point yeah, you've got to yeah. have some some mad vision and and he he had a lot of that at the point at the, at the start and and uh, I always, I always like feel very grateful that he, he had that, uh, and he he was driving us because he was very much you know into doing the merch thing and having this and having that, and he had lots of cool ideas very early on, and then that helped me to sort of give me like guide me with where we'd want to take things, and then yeah, now I'm I'm sort of, I guess like in inverted commas the manager, you know I. I I look after all that side of things. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Jed and Bennett are more on the creative side, like merch and yeah, like Yeah, we we all we all we've all like specifically like, since the album we've all we've all taken it creatively, I think it's a very much equal Yeah, yeah. Um sort of input from each of us. But um that's that's how we would segment it, I think. You know, I I'll I'll just sort of do the managery side of stuff booking gigs um talking to the label and talking to uh, the pr people and just understanding what we're going to do for which i mean if you asked me a few years ago i think i'd probably think i was like a punk and be like oh that's bullshit but (laughs) it's like you know if you you love if if you're making killer music and you love it and you want to go out and and do and realize your dreams and all that shit and You've got to fucking take it seriously a little bit and yeah. be objective about it, which is something that I actually enjoy now. I can be quite objective with certain parts of the band, but we separate it. When it comes to actually writing the music and everything that that's involved with, that's just the three of us. Yeah, uh, and it's separate from what people, what what anyone else is going to think about. It. We're never going to write a song, and we're never we're never going to write a song and be like, well we better put a chorus in there so because everyone's going to want to sing it you know yeah 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 that would never even enter the equation there's no expectations there but with the other stuff you can start to be a little bit more objective and i think that's fine you know it's uh it's, it's all right to be like that <laughs> <laughs> but then like kind of on the complete sort of flip side of things and kind of what you mentioned one then like when you need to be serious like the three of you are but like Again, getting to know you guys over the last couple of weeks, like you're very like stupid. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> but like, don't take yourself too seriously. No. But like, you're on the flip. Like, the music is fucking great, and like, it's like we've had the conversation about Art Tangent. Like, people were coming up to you and saying, "I needed a fucking chorus and things <laughs> yeah. like that." Like, so I don't know. Is that kind of just like? the kind of off switch is like the, the silliness sort of thing and then the on switch is the seriousness kind of side of things. I guess so. It's, I think, like, like I said, it, we, we've learned to be objective about the, the serious things and sometimes you've got to make some decisions. Like, you know, you've heard us on the phone recently after yeah, show, yeah, yeah. you show, know, you got for the tour and then it's like, all right, well, we've got to be serious about it for a minute because, you know, there's there's a lot, there's the often with touring and, recording albums and then money becomes a thing and then it's like well if you know we're gonna start making money from this and you've got to be serious about it and we we have the three of us got a very really good i mean when we first joined bsm or we first started having conversations with with a bsm it was like they said to us you know what, what have you got coming up in the next couple of months 
and uh, we were just like, got a gig next week. And, <laughs> like, you know, like, and now it's like, I can tell you what we're doing until like halfway through 2021, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that's, that's, how, that's the only real way it's, it's changed. But I think to counteract that, we're just fucking idiots most of the time. <laughs> yeah. And just not taking anything seriously. And then just, because you've got like, you've got to learn to laugh at everything. Particularly when you know we, you know we're knobheads and we we have too much to drink and whatever. And then the next day you're hungover, and the only way we get through it is just by laughing. Yeah, yeah. We're just t- just talking shit, and and th- it, that that's been probably more important than than being serious about certain other things. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You've got to have both of them things for sure. And before I kind of like round this all off, the other side of you that you've kind of touched on a little bit is mm. obviously like the electronic like house sort of stuff mm-hmm. so obviously you mentioned like that's been with you from an early age mm-hmm. i think but when did you kind of like start taking not necessarily more seriously serious serious is that word seriously yeah that's I don't know why that sounded so weird <laughs> but like in terms of like you actually like pursuing it like djing and, and stuff like that like is that something that's just kind of like progressed over time or is that something that you as you've got older have kind of been like no i want to differentiate from gender roles Jordan to house Jordan sort of thing I reckon so yeah I, I, I'm i not really I, sometimes I'll stop and think about that a little bit but then I just get a bit bored with thinking why I've done that and, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. and it takes my energy away from actually doing these things yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which again which then leads into like I've started making a lot a lot more electronic music in the past sort of 12 months and I think it's just because I'm I'm realizing that, you know, we uh, with gender roles, we're we're doing things and then we're achieving things. You know, we we set a little goal and then we achieve them and we start. We keep doing these things that we we say, one day we'll do this and then yeah, we do yeah, it yeah. and then, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's because we've like fucking we've worked hard at it, and uh, you know, you realize that, and it's the same with like drumming as well. I I I felt quite inadequate as a drummer for the for gender roles for, for a while. And then I just put loads of work into just improving myself. And I guess it's bled into that really. But I mean, I've always had with like sort of electronic music and house and house music and techno. I mean, like, like I said, at the first single, it was like, what was it? I can't get enough. It's like, I can't get enough. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but I go with that on CD single and like some of the early CDs, you know, you get me like the the uh, Ministry of Sound annual. Yeah, from, yeah, like, yeah, the, yeah. Like late late nineties, early two thousands, which is like the sort of second coming of house music. And for some reason, it's just in my body. Like when I hear that sort of music, and it's good, like obviously good house music and whatever, and like good sort of techno that you can like get down to in a club like that. Yeah, there's, some, there's something about it that just it just really agrees with me. Yeah, so I've yeah, just yeah. been, uh, I guess, it from achieving things with gender roles, I've sort of been like, well, I like this music, and you know, I had I had a, a pair of vinyl uh, decks that my dad got me again. So, you know, he's, he, he just he'll, he buys me loads of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Might not touch it for a while. Like he bought me them when I was about twelve. I didn't really get into DJing, and then I dug them out literally like. Four years ago, yeah. three or four years ago, learned DJing on vinyl. Then I bought myself some nice Technics, and now I'm, I'm just getting out in Brighton. And I go and buy rec- like like you know, I go and buy records whenever I'm on tour. Yeah, I know yeah. all the record shops to go to. I dig and find stuff, and that's just how I find my music. And I sort of I feel like I'm finding my way in that world a lot more now. And I, I you know playing with a lot of the the DJs in Brighton and just going out and getting to know those people. And maybe I think it might be 
um, maybe searching for something different because I've always, I've, I know, you know, I've, I've always been involved in the rock sort of side of things yeah, yeah, and how yeah, that yeah. works. And I, I love that. I love the vibe, you know, the community vibe of all that sort of stuff. So then I was sort of like, well, there's got to be that, you know, but just on in the electronic. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and lo and behold, you meet these people, and then you know a few of them knew who my band, who our band was anyway. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah. And then they all like, you know, like there's a few of them who are going to Download Festival, and they were like, okay. oh yeah, we're going to Download Festival, we're yeah, going to see yeah, you. Yeah. It's like uh, there's not there's not these boundaries, and and actually I'm starting to you know some of my mates and stuff like that like. Uh, I, I, I DJ'd in a club like uh, I think it was either before or just after Christmas and Bennett always takes the piss out of me because he doesn't like any of that, that sort of music and he ended up coming down and a load of our mates were there and he fucking loved it <laughs> I was playing so you know I, 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 I want there to be um, less of a I feel like there's a stigma uh, around that sort of club culture and club music yeah, yeah. but now I, I've spent a lot of time learning about it and learning where it came from um, it was born, you know, out of like the late, uh, you know, the death of disco and and how house music first originated. It was it was because of all these oppressed people, like lots of uh, black homosexuals, mm. uh, and they the only clubs that they had with it was like the warehouse in Chicago, yeah, yeah, the garage and places like the garage in New York, and it's like that that for me to romanticize and learn about where um, these these forms of music have come from. Um, I think a lot of that gets forgotten now and a lot of mainstream clubs are totally missing the point and it's it's all about inclusivity um, and that's that's where house music and techno music was born from and it's just about getting a load of people in a room creating an atmosphere yeah. and just going with it and just not not thinking about it too much and like if you can be I always think about DJing as like it's the most unobtrusive way of inflecting your creativity upon an audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm tonight. I'm gonna sit behind a fucking drum kit and literally hit drums <laughs> as loud as I can and be like, "Look at me! I'm yeah, doing this." Yeah, yeah. Whereas if I'm playing other people's music, but I can I can do things with it, and then I can do it over a longer period of time, over a few hours, and move through this spectrum of music and seamlessly you know go between genres and stuff like that that's you, you're being creative yeah, there, yeah but also yeah. You, you you're working with someone else's work and it's yeah it's not as sort of in your face yeah yeah, so yeah, yeah. That, that's that's why it, i think that's why it really appeals to me yeah and you've mentioned download so i've brought it up with bennett so i'll bring it up with you yeah how fucking stoked are you <laughs> yeah it's gonna be great we've got some other stuff to announce as well that's gonna be uh yeah, equally as as bonkers and uh, yeah, it's just a bit weird seeing seeing our our name on the poster and stuff and yeah, I've, I, I've, again, it's don't we don't think about it too yeah, much. Yeah. It's 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 fucking cool to be see our names <laughs> yeah. with those bands, you know, and with like Pup as well. Like we sat there and watched. There's one point where we've maybe been in the band for like a, maybe a year or something, and, and we used to go and rehearse in my in my old bedroom on London Road in, in Bryan, and uh, there was we were watching one night after we'd been like just writing and rehearsing in my room, and we just put the uh, pup audio tree session on. Yeah, and we were just like, if if we can be if we can play like that and just be as as good as that. Then that's fine for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. Not that we, not that we can be big or whatever. Just if we can do that, we'd be fucking stoked. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then just we, we went on tour with them, and now we're playing on that stage and in, in, uh, in download. It's cool. It's 
gratifying. And <laughs> <laughs> um, how I always like to round these off is to ask my guests what their favourite song is, but with a bit of a twist. So, what's your favourite oh. gender role song you like to play live and why? Whoa. Let me have a think. Because we've got, we've got some of the new boys coming in now, haven't we? And, uh, hmm. I quite like... Quite like playing always. Yeah. Yeah, like it seems to be. It wasn't released as a single, and uh, it's like one of those album tracks that that, that fans really dig. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. We could have a, like that's the song goes quite. It goes all over the place during you know three and a half minutes or whatever. So uh, you know it's got a, got a killer guitar solo. It's yeah. got a slowed down weird bit. It's got like a bit of a banging chorus. I have to go with that, I think. Yeah, yeah. perfect. Brilliant. Jordan, thank you very much. Cheers. So there we have it, folks. Again, a massive thank you to Jordan for allowing me to pull him to one side whilst we were out on tour in Europe and have a little chat with me. Um, as it stands, Gender Roles haven't cancelled their UK tour yet, which is happening at the end of March, beginning of April. Um but because of the ever-changing landscape of things at the moment with the coronavirus, who knows? I will put the dates in the description of the podcast, but who knows? I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it does still go ahead, but who, as I say, who knows at the moment? At the time of recording, it's still going ahead. Um, but yeah, as I've kind of said with the whole sort of coronavirus thing, if you can help any friends out, then please do so. Um, I'm going to kind of keep this outro to as minimal as possible as I said there won't be a show next week unless I get a manic phone call and I'm able to sort of pull something together last minute which who knows strange things have happened but we will be back to regular shows in the near future Um, so yeah don't miss us too much Uh, but as always if it's your first time or your 146th time listening to the Justin Insight podcast, thank you for stopping by and I'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.